This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. Hello, welcome to another episode of Design Safe Radio. I'm your host, Dan Zayner, and uh, here with me today, we've got Andre Barbosa uh, from Oregon State University, although uh, this week he is down in what normally would be sunny San Diego, but we're just uh, talking before we got started about the uh, atmospheric river that has dumped, what was it, like 14 inches of rain in two days? Yeah, here in Southern California. It was pretty impressive. Phew. I, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's quite amazing the, uh, the amount of water that you can get dumped in just a short amount of time, and, and it really puts into perspective... A lot of the reasons why um, the Nary Network exists and why we do what we do, although uh, you're working on more seismic resilience than uh, <laughs> atmospheric resilience. Yeah, but but worried about sustainability, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So um, really looking forward to talking about uh, some of your projects, but uh, give us a, a you know, 60, 90 second intro and then we'll uh, get into what you're doing down in Southern California. Sure. Um, so under Barbos, I'm a structure engineer. I've been at uh, Oregon State University for about 12 years, and I had done my PhD actually here at UC San Diego, so it was um, nice to come back and, and now uh, work on this project here on, on the site. Um, but yeah, I've been looking at um, different products, uh, reinforced concrete, of course, also mass timber, which brings us today to this conversation. And um, And I was fortunate enough that when I joined Oregon State University, it was the really the boom. Um, this is like early 2012, where there was a lot of interest, growing interest in the Pacific Northwest to start looking further at mass timber. And um, yeah, it's it's been an amazing ride. Um, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of need um, that is also tied to climate change, but really also tied to these opportunities for creating more rural rural jobs, workforce development, tying both sides of the equation uh, to create sustainable, but also, you know, job opportunities in our Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I was just talking to an architect yesterday about a, uh, a mass timber project going on here in Eugene for um, they just changed some of the local uh, regulations about building uh, auxiliary domestic units. I think that's what ADU stands for, but yeah, you know, small, small houses in your backyard so you can rent out. Right. And there's a huge interest in doing mass timber um, for that because you can get most of your building prefabricated. The site construction is a whole lot quicker than a stick-built house, and obviously you've got the sustainability aspect there too. Um, and it's just really cool to see that finally starting to gain a little bit of momentum on the residential front, uh, at least here in Eugene. It's right. as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and provide project... alternatives for people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So your project as uh, the Neri Converging Design is kind of your the envelope for your project. Um, Talk about maximizing functional recovery and integrating those sustainable des building design principles we started talking about. Can you kind of unpack that, what that means uh, for people like earthquake engineers and our, our friends, the architects? Um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, yeah, those, those two words, converging design, are really because we are trying to bring these two um, relatively new ideas um, of course, there's a lot of work on them separately, but now bringing them together and converging into one design methodology. So 
On the functional recovery side, maybe just explain a little bit that that deals mainly with coming up with a new design paradigm, um, not only around earthquakes, but we're focusing on earthquakes here. Um, and in a nutshell, our codes today, our codes and standards are written really for life safety. That is written so engineers can produce building designs that enhance life safety. For example, after a big earthquake, right, people should be able to evacuate buildings without harm and safety. So no loss of life, that's really the goal. Um, but what's been happening is that after these major earthquakes, um, then buildings sometimes have to have very expensive repairs, long repair times. People can't go back to their houses, can't shelter in place. And many buildings may even have to be demolished after these big earthquakes. So um, even though, you know, for critical buildings, we had already thought about functional functionality, making sure hospitals were functional, making sure schools um, were functional. Um, really, our building design codes, are, are that's not how they are written today. Right. But our society is not too happy about that um, <laughs> as we get more of these big events. Um, you know, there's this idea and, you know, folks do, their households and businesses should be able to recover quickly after big, these big major earthquakes. And so functional recovery, which is, you know, these two complicated words put together, um, is really trying to envision codes and we, but not only we, me, the we is the big we engineering community, um, both researchers and practicing engineers um, are starting to think, how do we write code? So not, we don't, so we still achieve safety and life safety, but we can start having building designs where we have more acceptable recovery times, where, um, you know, really can we have post-earthquake reoccupancy and can we minimize the recovery time so that businesses and people can get back? Right. Um, so that's a long-winded um, answer maybe for your question, Dan, but uh, functional recovery. That's one aspect. The other aspect is sustainability, right? And sustainable building design principles. So what we're looking at is looking at materials that reduce environmental impacts. Um, and that's, you know, for the same function, um, if you have two competing materials, which are the materials that reduce, um, you know, impact on human health, impact on the environment, and that's over their life cycle, right? That's really what we're looking at um, with mass timber and with timber in general, but now especially with mass timber, um, we can start uh, and mass timber, be it um, these big blue laminated beams that maybe people are more used to thinking about or other new engineered wood products or relatively new engineered wood products like cross laminated timber or mass ply panels. So some of those have that are recent and new engineered wood products are now in a way competing, but also providing solutions for slabs, for walls, and um, for prefabrication. So um, that's on the sustainability side, that's what we're looking at is some of those materials and reducing the environmental impact of the materials, but also looking at resilience, the word that you had brought in initially, um, looking at resilience, looking at after these big earthquakes, if buildings are more resilient, um, then they have less damage. If they have less damage, 
we have less new products, new materials we have to bring in for repairs, or we don't have to demolish and send things to landfill. So we're also exploring resilience as part of sustainability in our in our side of the of the coin here. Um, so uh, you know, basically that. There's one more little aspect on sustainability that we're thinking about, um, which is what's the end of life of these buildings? Um, can we reuse some of these elements? And can we come up with design principles that allow us to reuse some of those members um, after you know that first design and the building was used for that first main function? As our societies change, um, and you know, you look at buildings a hundred years ago, very different functionally than buildings today. What would they look like in 30, 40, 50 years? Um, so if we are going to adapt our building designs, can we reuse some of those materials? What do we need to do? There's a lot of questions that we don't have answers for mm -hmm. that we're trying to uh, think about in our project. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Design Safe Radio. Be sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on. It really helps people find our show. Thanks to our amazing sponsors, the National Science Foundation and the NARI Network Coordination Office, which is award number 2129782. Big thank you to Marty Lachance, our guest booker and topic researcher extraordinaire, and Raquel Ruiz, who is our video and audio editor. I'm your host and NARI Facility Scheduling and Operations Coordinator, Dan Zayner. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, stay resilient. This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. To another episode of Design Safe Radio, so I'm your host like Dan Zayner, and uh, here with me today we've got Andre Barbosa uh, from Oregon State uh, University. Although uh, this week he is uh, down in what if, normally would be sunny San Diego, but you have <laughs> to talking before we got started about right? the uh, right. like river that has dumped what was it like 14 inches of rain in two days. Um, yeah, here in Southern California. We have uh, a two large uh, <laughs> scale uh, soil box. Yeah, it's, uh, um, it's quite amazing the, uh, the amount of water that you can get dumped uh, it's in also just a short a good, amount of time. Um, and, and really application for like offshore, uh, offshore wind structures. Why, um, uh, we can simulate like impact forces do what from tsunamis. Like uh, so we have the capabilities to yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. So, so we can we can um, definitely really simulate with like about, the high uh, force and speed at the same but, uh, time. Maybe give us a, a, a you know, um, 60, 90 second intro, and then we'll uh, get into I know, like, what you're doing down in Southern or, California. Or it's it's not really sure. intro, um, but so right now they're encouraging more research about fire. Again, so we also uh, have a large scale furnace where you can test structural components. Yeah, that's really important. Nice, and this might be a good segue into talking about hybrid simulation because those last two things you described. Um, the yeah, I've been then, looking uh, at um, you know, the very large uh, products uh, frame that you're able to concrete, suspend things like shipping containers. From. Yeah. Timber, which that shows your ability to like take and, data um, from the Oregon State Wave Lab that on the actual waves. Oregon they are this would be the loading on a shipping container. The, really the now we take the actual shipping container and ram it into something. And then we'll be able to, to see what the actual force is, in the Pacific given that the shipping container is being transported by a tsunami, and, and um, then 
correlate yeah, it's, that it's back been to an amazing ride. testing at, um, at the wave lab. Of, there's a lot of interest. How different sizes and masses of things um, move in the waves because 